Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for September 19th, 2021, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost in year B. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And Bruce, how are you this fine, wonderful day? I'm doing well. One of my favorite radio stations in the world is back on the air. WWOZ in New Orleans. Okay, I was... I was... I was going to ask a, a snarky question of like what they do to get taken off the air, but then <laughs> you answered that question of being in New Orleans, and then I feel bad, and I brought it up anyway. Uh, well, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's good. I, I I have been seeing some reports that there's a there, a lot of that is getting back to normal, which is good. Um, and then I'm seeing reports of a new tropical storm riding up uh, the Texas yeah. coast and it might drown them in, uh, with some more rainfall again. And it just makes me sad. Yeah, it's yeah. WWOC is a jazz station and I, I'm a big jazz fan. Ah. And they were just talking this morning out there. Back, this was their first day back on the air, how they're going to try to, through their music, send encouragement to the thousands of people still without power and mm-hmm. other resources throughout southern louisiana um and so it's it's one of these things where this may sound really trite but i think it's still important that it's remind me to keep praying for those folks that now that other disasters have over have over um shadowed mm-hmm. their news mm-hmm. It's like no, these those guys need our prayers still too. Yeah, it, it uh, yeah, just because uh, something else takes up the news headline does not mean that the the problem is over or has been solved right. in any way. It, it is uh, it's, that's a long a long road back. Uh, the last time they got a, a near direct hit, it was it was many 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 months. It was it was awful. Yeah, and there, there are parts of New Orleans that still haven't recovered from Katrina. Yeah, exactly. So and, and and shoot at this point I, it might might never uh, with, yeah, with how often yeah. they get a a near hit um, yeah so uh, which is uh, which is sad because it's a it's a very fascinating and beautiful uh, um, area of the country I, I think uh, I think generally speaking the French Quarter seems to dominate like the our perception of what New Orleans is and it's really such a beautiful. Uh, uh, um, woven tapestry of cultures down there uh that's that's fascinating so yeah it's one of those i've only been there twice but each time it was for a week-long conference mm-hmm. and so that gave a lot of free time to explore the, the city each time and it's, it's one of the few um one of the few places i can honestly say yeah i'd go there anytime mm-hmm. there's yeah. always something interesting to see or just walking even let alone the oh, great yeah. music and food and interesting people and all yeah yeah and yeah between the yeah the food and the um, architecture and <laughs> yeah uh, architecture is amazing it's incredible um so thanks to all the traders uh, uh that came <laughs> through that area <laughs> for the over the past 300 years that that, uh, that that kind of have created that uh that uh um scenery there uh, it's 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 a beautiful area so yeah thoughts and one, and one of the fun them. facts mm-hmm. to just completely put us down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the the famous wrought iron uh, railings of the french quarter and beyond in new orleans mm-hmm. many of those were manufactured in indiana really interesting yeah um they 
came down the Ohio River and then down the Mississippi River. And some of the centers for that work were in the Madison area, Madison, Indiana, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, which is a small historic town now. And many of the two-story buildings there, particularly the homes from that era, look like New Orleans homes because of the wrought iron that, in a sense, was brought home from the forges and oh. people put on their own homes. Interesting. That's a lot more interesting than the fun fact that I have uh, because... <laughs> I, I, I work in the legal world, so the only fun fact I have about uh, New Orleans and Louisiana in general is that their legal system is the only state, it, they're the only state in the union where their legal system is still based off the Napoleonic Code. Yeah. I know that from crime mysteries. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, still a lot of, uh, still a lot of French in our, in our, in our court system down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the code, so. Um, well, let's move on to our person of the day okay and your person of the day bruce uh do you know who john j robertson is 1796 to 1881 john j robertson oh man that's so familiar ah any hint you can give me uh american Known, yeah. uh, uh, apparently most known for things uh, uh, outside of America. Okay, I'll give up. Uh, he was a missionary to Greece in the, the 1800s, uh, which is, I, I feel like the common thread from finding people on this uh, Episcopal Dictionary of the Church is they're um, either born in America or born in Western Europe and uh, rarely get outside of the geography of mm-hmm. you know, France, England, uh, the Americas. Western Europe, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, so when I saw somebody was a missionary to Greece, I thought I would pick them uh, to find out uh, a little bit more. So he's best known as the uh, missionary to Greece. He was born in New York City. And uh, after um, Virginia Theological Seminary and uh, ordained deacon and then priest, uh, became president of Middlebury College in Middlebury, Vermont, and later president of Oglethorpe University in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's kind of following the very similar trend um, of, of uh, uh, born in America and then going somewhere here in America. Uh, yeah. In 1828, on his own initiative, uh, he sailed to Greece. And uh, he had convinced the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society, uh, which sounds like some sort of weird shadow league. I'm not familiar with that. Um, to appoint I'll tell him, you about that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> to appoint him as an agent, also the reason why I thought it was a shadow league, uh, to inquire into the state of religion in Greece and to see if the people there might be interested in receiving Episcopal missionaries. He returned to the United States in 1829 and persuaded the board of the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society to send a mission to Greece. This mission was not to convert the Greeks, but to provide opportunities for education with with which subjugation under the Turks and poverty had prevented. The society appointed Robertson and his wife, uh, the Reverend John H. Hill and his wife, uh, Frances Maria, and Solomon Bingham, a printer, Bingham, uh, uh, as missionaries to Greece. I don't know if people know the Bingham Publishing uh, house, uh, uh, but that's that's a name that at least I recognize. Robertson served as a missionary to Greece until 1842, when he returned to the United States and became rector of St. Luke's Church 
in Matawan, New York, uh, and then later the rector of Trinity Church in uh, further up in New York, where he remained until his retirement. Um, but I was so I was struck by a missionary to Greece, an area that we don't go in uh, uh, any of these uh, um, um, individuals in the Episcopal Dictionary. And uh, what a great example of of a, of, of a, a successful mentality around missionary uh, a, a missionary uh, mission which was not to like demand <laughs> faith to your god and 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 uh, kind of like because that's kind mm-hmm. of <laughs> those those kind of pilgrimages uh, are kind of etched in our memory it's simply to like inquire hey yeah. how do you worship <laughs> who are you <laughs> Not to con- literally not to convert the Greeks, but to provide opportunities for education. Like just seeing how you're doing. Who who are you? We want to know more. <laughs> like right. Um. Hey, that sounds like uh, what you know. What might, that might be missionary work done right, right there. Um, exactly. So I thought that was that was uh, a, that was a, an interesting reason to pick him. Yeah, and when you when you first said Greece, and I, I had forgotten that during that era, Greece was part of the Ottoman Empire, which mm-hmm. for which was Muslim, and so right. it was not like current Greece, where the Greek Orthodox Church has a huge amount of political influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that okay, so that was a just a diwa that I had forgotten on my part. Um, shoot, there was something. Actually, oh, domestic and foreign missionary society. Yes, that I don't know if it still is, but for about two hundred years, that was the legal name of the Episcopal Church in the United States. Oh, so we that, were a shadow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, up, up until that time, any. Um, Christian who was part of the community of the Church of England was just part of the Church of England. Mm-hmm. And so the United States, when it formed after the American Revolution, had to come up with a new name. They were, there. a lot of the leadership in the Episcopal Church was involved in the formation of the Constitution and all of the United States and knew <laughs> quite well the that calling it the church of the united states was going to be inappropriate so they Ah. couldn't follow that pattern and rather than give themselves a a a name that sounded like a snotty organization or Mm -hmm. a we are the chosen organization Mm -hmm. they chose that one Hmm. okay that's that's it's all about spreading the good news gotcha yeah and like it, it and that may very well still be the legal name i'm not sure if it, there was talk about changing it um because of various this is confusing sort of things um, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i should, certainly didn't read it as like okay that's us <laughs> yeah but um but then there's a lot of pushback saying no oh, this really is our mission mm-hmm. and what's what's better than be having your name being synonymous with your mission that's true. That's true. It's just not jazzy enough. Uh, right. 
But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 so I like this phrase in the definition for John J. Robertson here. Uh, so the next time that, that we are um, considering you know, uh, uh, the, the, the E word, the evangelism word, think of it instead as being appointed as an agent to inquire as to the state of religion of someone and to see if, if they are in, might be interested in receiving Episcopal missionary uh, uh, efforts. Yeah. That's a, that really is a good model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. One other thing um, is why I add to this is that internationally uh, places where the Episcopal church and many of the church of England missionary work took place now has now have solid histories of Episcopal hospitals and schools, even if they don't have a solid history of Episcopal congregations, mm. which we think is marvelous. We don't think that's a failure by any measure. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is now that we can look back over um, more than a century of this kind of stuff is that we through mainly through the schools are able to form young people into good values who then right. because they're educated rise to leadership in their countries. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will take, uh, I have to admit, I will take good values, uh, yeah. every day of the week, uh, from, from someone, um, um, that, that's a, that's a huge win. That's a huge, win. <laughs> that's a huge win at the end of the day. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, uh John J. Robertson, our first, uh, person of the day to travel to anywhere other than <laughs> the, well, I wouldn't take it that places. far, but he is the first one that I can remember that went to Greece. <laughs> Right. Missionary. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. actually am going to read up on that, see what the results were. Yeah. 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 Term. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's move on then to our first reading. Our first reading this week is coming from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 11, verse 18 through 20. And that reads this way. It was the Lord who made it known to me. And I knew then you showed me their evil deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter, and I did not know it was against me that they devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, so that his name will no longer be remembered. But you, O Lord of hosts, who judge righteously, who try the heart and the mind, let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause." So a little, a, sh a very short and sweet um, uh, section. I don't know about sweet. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the phrase, Bruce. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, We're just dealing with words right now. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I suppose hyper-technicality is the point of this podcast. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it's a very short uh, uh, section. Uh, but so let's let's get a, a refresher on uh, the book of Jeremiah. The, uh, Jeremiah was a prophet, so it's one of the prophet books. Um, but, the, you know, it's been a while. Re remind me uh, the book of Jeremiah, the, the, the general um, um, situation that Jeremiah found himself in and what he was writing on um, general themes throughout his his uh, his writing. Like uh, what was what was his viewpoint? What was his bent? His bit. Um, <laughs> what was his shtick? Yes, yes, the regular shtick of uh, Jeremiah. <laughs> he, he's one of the prophets that wrote around the time of 
the Babylonian conquering of um, of Israel, and so this was around the same time as the the, the first author of uh, Isaiah, right? Okay, and sort of the the three sentence summary is Jeremiah is like a really unhappy Isaiah. Okay. And this is a good, this passage we have today is a good example of that. Um, he is one of the, um, like the vast majority of prophets in the Hebrew scriptures. He's one of these guys that was not a prophet all, all his life mm-hmm. and hated being a prophet when God called him to do it for some time whatever the period of time is, it's not completely clear. Mm-hmm. And so he was one of these guys sort of like, um, Jonah who was, you know, God, why, why are we even bothering? Right. <laughs> no one's listening to me. They're treating me poorly. They're threatening my life. I mean, it, he really had a terrible existence during those years that God gave him prophecies to share. Hmm. Um, people were not happy to hear his words. Whereas in Isaiah, there are all sorts of beautiful passages that, you know, literally appear on Christmas cards still. Mm -hmm. Um, You're Mm -hmm. not going to see Jeremiah on a whole lot of greeting cards. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you're not feeling well, but that's life. And I have it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very long book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you can't just, well, actually you probably could flip through it and drop your finger and find a passage like, um, and just from memory, something along the lines of here I am lying in the ditch in my underwear, though they would, you don't translate it as underwear mm-hmm. and dirty as a dog and the people don't care. Get well soon. <laughs> right. Right. Thanks be to God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, so it's not just like, it, it sounds like he has a curmudgeon tone, but it's also, right. uh, um, what's interesting to me though, is, is, is looking at some of these, uh, passages. It, it doesn't, he doesn't play the necessarily the, what I would, what I would interpret as the woe is me card. Right. He likes to complain about his uh it, it, his situation or, or how people view him but uh it's not like a wailing um yeah uh, uh style or like a, a drawing trying to draw attention uh, uh to it it's like the like a almost like i don't know like a like a grizzled uh uh, uh i'm imagining like a staff sergeant like a grizzled staff sergeant like you don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> like, oh, that's not bad yeah yeah <laughs> You think this is bad here at Basic? <laughs> you should see Jack what it's like Nicholson out there in the real world. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <Right>, exactly. <laughs> I've seen kids like you before. <laughs> world's gonna <laughs> chew you up and spit you out. <laughs> okay, now we're getting off on the on a tangent that's inaccurate. But... <laughs> Well, that's right. Yeah, true. you were you were better before I said Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I was probably better before I said anything. Um, <laughs> so, uh, 
so so what are we talking about uh, uh, here? Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, the Lord who made it known to me, and I knew. Then then you showed me their evil deeds. We kind of get dropped in the middle of what I uh, feel is like a larger discussion, and we don't really get the, the full context of what's going on here. Um, so so what's the what's going on in this uh, passage uh, from well, my, uh, Jeremiah? It follows a passage that describes the individuals within Israel making sacrifices to the false false god Baal. Okay, okay. So, which is almost the worst thing you can do because they, while they may not be doing this part of it, one of the infamous sacrifices to Baal was your firstborn child. Lovely, okay. Yeah, so this isn't just like being in the woods and dancing around a tree kind of thing. Uh-huh. It really is um, aligning yourself with very evil deeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So extremely disappointing to Jeremiah, to put it lightly. He's, he gets pretty ticked off about it. And obviously God does not like this. And it, it it's definitely going 180 degrees away from God. So this then picks, this then picks up with. If we, we have the passage we have, um, after the passage there are words of reassurance from God to Jeremiah, and then a description of Jeremiah's life being threatened by Mm. people. Mm. So this is, by scholars, this is called the first of Jeremiah's laments. I, I, I'm with him on this lament. Uh, uh, and in fact, uh, for, for such a dark uh, topic and a terrible, uh, um, um, I mean, shoot, uh, uh, crime uh, against uh, uh, God and, and, and I would assume even their laws. I mean, uh, yeah. is this, not, this would be completely against the, the, the laws of Israel, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Um, so he, in a way he, he has kind of a, it's kind of toned down like, uh, yeah, he, he could be real. Yes. He is, um, kind isn't the right word, but yeah, he's, he's not being as mean about it as he could be. Right. Right. And, and, um, in verse, yeah, in verse 20, it kind of seems like, uh, um, He's kind of saying like, yeah, I, uh, uh, now that I know about this, uh, uh, yeah, what are we, what are we going to do about it? God, I'm, I'm definitely committed to seeing this retribution, <laughs> retribution, uh, be carried out. Uh, what, what, uh, what's the next step? Um, because, uh, he, he seems fully on board, uh, with, uh, um, addressing this issue. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that's, really moving to me about the book of Jeremiah is that no matter how bad things get for Jeremiah, his response is never God doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's instead God, we got to talk. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that God's God is so intimate with him and vice versa Mm -hmm. that it, it, like I say, it's just so moving to, me to read this and to see how at the worst moments of jeremiah's life he still 
keeps his heart open to God mm-hmm. and and shares the worst things that are going on um, and does not keep God at arm's length or try to say, well, God just doesn't exist because bad stuff's happening. Right, right. Which would be, I mean, it uh, would be kind of a, uh, an understandable yeah. response or thought process. Like, oh my gosh, how could... How could this possibly be, you know, it would, it would, I would imagine that it, it, it would shake a uh, uh, certain people's faith and probably, I would, I would think probably did at the time. Um, well, it, yes and no, because the, the theology that God rewards on earth people who are faithful to God is relatively modern. Mm. I mean, there there are undercurrents of that at times in different parts of the Hebrew scriptures, but most of the time, a uh, tight relationship with God helps you get through the bad times rather than keep the bad times from happening within the Old Testament. Okay. And post-Reformation Christianity, and, and maybe pre-Reformation Christianity, somehow got into the pattern of if you love God sufficiently, your life will be good. Right. Which then leads to a, a logical conclusion that if your life is not going good, then why bother with God? Right. Or, 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 or another step to take it is uh, then, then you must be doing something wrong. It must be something wrong with you. Yeah. And you're, your level of faith or your level of worship or, you know, something uh, starts to lead down that, that idea of like bad things happen to people because, you know, they just they earned it. it. Yeah. 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 And that, and it's terrible theology, but it is one of the ways that the institutional church, whether Roman Catholic or Protestant controlled the people in the pews. Right. That you, you need the institution to get you right with God. So those bad things stop happening. Mm-hmm. But since God's not causing those bad, th- I mean, since in reality, God's not causing those bad things, um, the institution had to do all sorts of twists and turns in their teaching, preaching and pastoral care to try to justify their power position. Mm-hmm. Really screwed things up. Yeah, yeah, for sure it did. Um, uh, anything else here about Jeremiah? Um, repeated message number two, read the whole thing. It's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Read it for the grizzled sergeant. Come on. Uh. (laughs) Or, Or read it for a person who has a difficult life, but, but has no doubt that God is right there with him in it. Ready for conversation. Yeah. In in a way it's, it's almost a, uh, it, it, it's it's more of a uh, um, realistic expectation uh, or, or example uh, as opposed to Job, which was is a little bit uh, uh, fantastic in its story yeah. of how like how awful it was. <clears throat> um, this is a right. lot more. Uh, this feels this Jeremiah's story seems a little bit more grounded in like oh yeah I could see that happening. Oh yeah yeah Job is you know one long allegory really. Yeah. And yeah, whereas Jeremiah is really rooted in history. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on to our second reading, which is from James, chapter 3, verse 13, all the way through chapter 4, verse 3. One, two, skip a few, and then we read 7 and 8a. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. You have you, And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um... First obvious question, what do we skip and why? Um, an example. Oh, okay. Which is yeah, adulterers. We, okay, okay, okay. So adulterers get slammed for a few verses, and then we get pick it up again at seven. Gotcha. So we're, whereas in verse two, we have like a sentence about uh, uh, murderers and a sentence about uh, um, people who are uh, argumentative, engage in disputes and conflicts. Uh, uh, we have like a, a full like... Well, yeah, most, what you may not, it may not, um, immediately appear, but basically we're going through the bad parts or the, the thou shalt not. So the 10 commandments. Mm, Okay. Okay. Um, I, I find it, I got caught. Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, and I think the lectionary reader developers were just, okay, this is, this is getting boring. We get it. We get it. (laughs) We're losing them. (laughs) (laughs) Let's cut to the chase. Gotcha. I gotcha. Um, I have to admit the the wording. Uh, I got I got tied up a little bit uh, in the wording in uh, uh, the first three verses uh, because we're talking about um, uh, show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Um, that sentence there the, about such wisdom, it's strange that the word wisdom is used because up until that point, I was not equating that there were two different types of wisdom. It didn't That's sound like... not wise. Okay, I was going to say, that, <laughs> it didn't... It didn't seem like wisdom that he was talking about. And then he just used the word wisdom and says that it's earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. And, and okay, so that's kind of the point. Um, so, so in a way, James, in, in writing the sentence, he uses and does air quotes. Such wisdom yeah, yeah. does not come down from above, uh, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Okay, all right. That makes yeah. more and, sense. And that word has a a lot of different meanings we primarily translate within scripture as wisdom Mm. but could also just be 
insight or intelligence. Mm, um, I gotcha. So, you know, I, anyway, I won't quibble with a translator right at this moment. But yeah, it one thing to keep in mind is that in the time of early Christianity, there were all sorts of different ver all sorts of different writings and teachings circulating in the wider culture that called themselves wisdom. Mm, okay. That was it was something that wisdom was something people <clears throat> shopped for and chose their favorite. Oh. Hmm. It, so that kind it of wasn't wisdom, wisdom is... with a capital W of the ultimate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that, that wisdom is expired. <laughs> don't don't get that wisdom. Right. <laughs> it's turned to cottage cheese. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's growing something. Something's growing on it. Um, uh, um, he kind of James is kind of making the argument here then uh, of uh, especially when he talks about a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. It sounds very much like uh, the reap what you sow yeah. uh, uh, mentality uh, and uh, um, which kind of then um, pairs up with uh, what he says in uh, chapter four, verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So it's, it's a, a very, very similar um, mindset that we hear throughout scripture, you know, do unto others. Uh, reaping what you sow, love God and God, uh, uh, love God as God loves you. Uh, you know those types of uh, um, concepts. But what else? What else is he? I mean, he's obviously railing against earthly mentality. Um, uh, is there like a specific target, or is this just like general? Is this or? or um, cause I kind of feel like this is, he's, he's tackling, trying to tackle, um, almost maybe like a social mindset that's prominent in like from, from a specific culture maybe, or you're getting close. Am I? Okay. Uh, uh, within the particular Christian community he's addressing. Okay. Okay. So he, you know, he's, he's trying to mitigate the fights going on during coffee hour oh okay and and sees the source of the conflict within the congregation being the selfishness that people are returning to after their initial conversion experiences hmm hmm yeah that so often and happens today people first rediscover or discover God and are filled and open to God's light and love and peace and goodwill. And then that starts to fade as mm -hmm. everyday life starts to happen again. Um, and rather than try to either return to that initial sense or even better, seek a more mature happiness and light with God, they return to their own selfish ways of dealing when dealing with life when it doesn't go how they want. Mm -hmm. Whether that and you know, becoming bitter and full of envy and lust for someone else's spouse and mm -hmm. you know, I deserve a little extra something because I worked so hard today kind of mentality that's literally what a lot of our commercial advertising is based on. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you worked. Uh, you worked hard. That's why you deserve that. Uh, that glass of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not speaking from experience or anything. Um, I, I imagine the that though there's a little bit of this language here that he uses that uh, I'm not gonna say is problematic, but I could could some people could misinterpret. So I wanted to kind of get a little bit more of a refined uh, statement on it if if you if you have that um verse two the tail end of verse two you do not have because you do not ask so then you know a reader might go oh well then all i have to do is ask uh you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly okay well then how do i you know how do i get what i really want and ask the right way um in order to spend what you get on your pleasures so is it is he really just saying like uh uh you have to ask uh with the right right mentality but otherwise if you ask you'll get what you want i mean it doesn't quite seem right or is he really more saying like you're uh you don't get what you want because you're not asking for the right things not really because you're asking incorrectly it's more sort of zen than that Mm -hmm. it's you're what you are wanting is not what you should want Mm, okay so why would god give you it because it's not what's best for you mm-hmm. or is it even something that god necessarily gives is is right is right. he really what really what he's saying is you know you're not getting what you want because you want the wrong thing and what you really should be wanting is free and here in abundance right if you that's a much better way of putting it okay Okay. So what is it? What is it that, that, that we should be wanting? God's love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, love is not in this, uh, is not mentioned in this passage. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that the question was asked. Then, well, because... in, um, in what verse is that? In verse six, uh, but he gives all the more grace. Mm. Okay. I mean, that's another way of saying God loves you even all the more. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but we didn't get verse six, so. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. I'm that was the... from a real Bible. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this is why I asked the question, because sometimes, yeah. like, you, you, uh, uh, um, Sometimes this is this is a it's it's a cliche, of course, especially on the podcast of saying like you really should read it all. But that's the reason. <laughs> yeah. it, it is the d- inherent danger of trying to compartmentalize any of these writings into you know succinct readings for a Sunday. Is mm-hmm. you're almost inherently always going to miss some important context, uh, right. some 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 uh some important um uh statement that may have occurred in uh even a, a you know a, a pauline diatribe two chapters ago uh so you don't have that but you don't have that in your in your mind as you're as you're reading when you when we go through these uh these uh th- these readings even the gospel readings that can be sometimes you kind of miss that and have to yeah, remind and, yourself and we have as I interrupt you, we have such short attendance attention spans. <laughs> I'm bored with what Ben's saying. I got to talk. Now. <laughs> I mean, I was only, I was kind of bored with myself. Uh, but yeah, you're, yeah. So, 
And so we forget that there's a very good chance, if not the highest probability, that like the letter of James was read out in one sitting. Right, right, I mean, right, right. It's not that long. And people would have to go, yeah, give us more. Um, you know, it's five chapters long. And mm -hmm. if we did that at a typical American church service, regardless of the denomination, um, people would be, um, too much, too much, fire hose, right. slow it down. I mean, this is in I, place of the homily, right? <laughs> I was going to say, if, if you can have a long, you can have a long homily, but, I mean, and there is a lot here. Mm -hmm. um, it's very packed, but it, it was not designed to be chopped into paragraph sets to be right a week apart. So is this the wisdom of Paul's writing style that like the, the short attention span and the reason why he says the same thing like yeah. three or four times and you're like, huh, what? What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, got it. It. <laughs> it, it. Yeah, it's a good public speaking style. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember um, a preaching professor talking about you gotta slow the train down and let people get back on occasionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what Paul does. And it, it may also have to do with Paul's dictation style where it helps him refocus as he's no, dictating the letter to the person actually writing it down. There you go. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anything else about this uh, passage from James? Read it all. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> we already said that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. I said that about half, Jeremiah. <laughs> half, of, half of us tuned out when we said that. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> Welcome back onto the train. Right, exactly. Um, well, then let's move on to our gospel reading. Uh, this week it's from Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed... He will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for, the, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Um, I find it interesting. I'm just going to go in order of, of, uh, of how it appears here in the gospel. I find it interesting. We add the quotes, of course, uh, to uh, the um, verse 31, but... He's teaching his disciples, saying, Son of Man's going to be betrayed. They're going to kill him. Three days after he's being killed, he will rise again. And then the next verse is like, they don't understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask. And maybe it's maybe it's just because I can't divorce my uh, mind from knowing what happens next uh, that, that I say this. But I don't know. That prior sentence seems pretty clear. <laughs> as, to, as to what he you know i'm gonna be betrayed surely you can understand that killed a lot of that going on during this period of time right after being killed i'm gonna rise again 
now I get it. That part's the 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 never happened before part. But um, seems like seems like they should be pretty close to understanding. Um, <laughs> but I also love the fact that it says, and they were, but they were too afraid to ask. <laughs> so it's it's the classic case that I think we've all found ourselves in, uh, in at some point in time in our life where you're nodding along and you're like, I have no idea what this person's talking about. <laughs> I got lost two minutes ago, and I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, and this follows immediately, well, almost immediately after, just a few verses in between. Mm-hmm. Jesus rebuking Peter in front of this same group of people. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So he scared him off. He so, scared yeah, him off he's, from asking. He, he silenced the questions by so publicly, well, not publicly, because it was with the disciples, saying... You know, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Right. Um, so yeah, he, in in this so case, in a way, in a way, Jesus beefed it uh, because had he not made such a public display of Peter, maybe he would have gotten some questions and right. gotten some clarity. <laughs> and part of the point at this juncture is c- kind of going to both well. It was there for the apostles to understand if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so in that way is a, a model for us today. That it, yeah. it's not secret knowledge. I mean, Jesus, how Jesus's ministry was going to end in terms of the apostles. It was not secret knowledge. It was not out of the blue. It was mm-hmm. not even unpredictable by anyone, let alone by the people closest to Jesus that, okay, here's this guy who's talking against the Romans and other authorities. He's going to end up dead. That's pretty clear. That's what happens. Right. And I think one of the reasons Jesus says it more than once is because to a certain degree, the apostles and other close followers were sort of living on cloud nine. They were on a spiritual high following Jesus, literally following uh-huh. Jesus around. And Jesus keeps trying to get their feet back on the ground so that they can have an even more in-depth experience. Yeah. Of even in the face of knowing where all this was going to lead, Jesus was going to keep loving. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. The, uh, um, I, I am also struck by um, this. These eight verses really are, three completely separate stories that could really, you know, expand and just mm-hmm. kind of be their, their own focus. So there's, there's that part, uh, they're, they're first trying to, you know, bring their heads back out of the clouds and, and feet back onto the ground and, and explain to them what's about to happen, but you know, ships passing in the night and, you know, not, <laughs> they're just not getting it. Then the second story here is the one is, is, a. Uh, really about the argument uh, of mm-hmm. of uh, who is first and last. And then the third is the explanation, uh, or, or sorry, the, the argument of who's going to be the greatest, because again, total misunderstanding, um, which is a, a fairly common uh, through uh, a line for the different gospels of misunderstanding what the kingdom of God is going to look like on on right. earth uh they're they're All focused four on gospels address that yeah yeah and, and this is this is that example um um so the second story here uh, of, of them uh, uh 
arguing about who's going to be the greatest is is uh, kind of its own little capsule which i love how this is actually worded because you can you can almost see in your mind's eye uh uh jesus whipping around like hey what were you uh what were you talking about what were you, what were you guys talking about and every all the disciples are kind of like kicking stones and shuffling yeah. feet and going i don't i don't want to say i don't want to say it <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but yeah. That, so then the third, the third part of this story uh, is is the example of like, hey, no. If you're going to be in a leadership role, you have to be. It's not about you. The, uh, yeah. the, that's that's. This is what um, you know. This is what feeds uh, um, um, you know missionary work. This is what feeds public service. This is what feeds. You know all manner of of uh, giving to your to your fellow man to, to your community um, you, that that if you want to be first you have to you have to be the last and the least and the lowest um, and <laughs> so the way that Mark talks about uh, the child here almost seems like a it's a lifeless doll <laughs> like then he took a child like okay <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plucked it off a shelf and put it among them. <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, where'd you get the kid, Jesus? Like, <laughs> like okay. Uh, uh, There's a but, terrible but yeah. joke that someone can ask me on Sunday to tell that I won't take the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a uh, there's homework for the listeners. Yeah. Uh, ask him about his terrible joke. Uh, by terrible, I'm assuming it's like dad joke terrible yes, right it's not dad like, okay, joke level okay good 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 i was i, I didn't want to promote like uh, a highly insensitive joke uh, no <laughs> gotcha um but yeah the, the, like i said verse 36 this child seems in almost inanimate uh, like that he took a child and put it among them <laughs> witness <laughs> here is a child <laughs> well and um, this child specimen is what you should be like. <laughs> no, it is human. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, okay. I, when, shoot, I, I won't even try to remember how many years ago it was. It was probably about 30 years ago. Um, I became rector of a pretty sizable parish and, the not my immediate predecessor but the the guy before that who was rector was still worshiping in the parish so by this point he was in his 80s uh but very spry and i always enjoyed chatting with him and stuff and he'd often just stop in my office and we'd chat away Mm -hmm. Uh, and one after we'd gotten to know each other he leaned back and said you know you need a bigger desk and i said what do you mean and um he said your desk is just too small people aren't going to respect you with a desk that size (laughs) and i thought okay yeah you're old school dude (laughs) right um you come from a time where the rector was the feudal lord of the parish and yeah the office was the throne room whereas if anyone's seen any office i've had it, it's more of supposed to feel like a living room. Yeah, uh, exactly. This is why you operate off that TV tray of a desk. <laughs> yes. 
which has a it's not a TV trade, but as a great story, <laughs> something else you can anyone can ask me on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was just one of those one of those wake up moments for me of how I had already become so ingrained in how I wanted to function as a priest. Now I felt I was called to function and fit better the 21st century that it was really helpful to talk to a priest from decades before Mm -hmm. and what people expected of him and what they needed from him. They needed an authoritarian to get them through the post world war two era. Yeah. And I think, I I think it would be fair to point out that it's not as though um, we have 100% moved on from that era clearly we I, have. I i think there are there are uh, some people still look for that authoritarian figure uh yeah in in the church at work uh at, at home in politics you know, in, in politics it's it's a it, it it's uh i think there's it which is understandable there's a certain comfort in uh, um knowing that it's on this other person's shoulders and all you have yeah. to do is, you know, take care of your own. Yeah, approach that person and be like, okay, so you're taking care of it. What can I do? Great, uh, glad you got this. <laughs> See you <laughs> <By>. next Sunday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it is. It, it is not certainly not gone. Uh, um, it, it's it's it's. I think that's a worth worth pointing out regularly of. of um yeah that, and, and and it's, it's also not a bad thing sometimes you sometimes you really just do need someone to um to 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 take that role on a certain thing it's not necessarily um uh terrible right, I, th- I know we're phrasing it in, in 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 a way where you know it seems like why would you ever you know or oh, oh that's awful uh sometimes you do need that authoritarian figure i know but, i do every now and again but there's a difference between having a leader and a dictator right Absolutely. And there's a big difference between following a leader and giving up all autonomy. Right. Yeah. And it, it in the Hebrew scriptures, there are repeated passages about God telling the Israelites, you should not have a king. It will lead mm-hmm. to terrible things. There are other ways of self-governance. And the people repeatedly saying, we need a king. Everyone else has a king. Right. And it leads to terrible things. Yep. Um, that p- big part of the story of King David is his abuse of power. And yeah. how it led to b- both personal and national grief every time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely something that's often in our DNA. And yet we have to fight both the moments, as Jesus had to do, of when people want to make us the king and the moments when we think if we only had a king, all would be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, Jesus definitely paints himself in this in, in this passage uh, in a completely different light. Yeah. Um, um, it, it, just to clean up a little bit of uh, of, of Mark's uh, language here in thirty seven, uh, 
what it what it does say is if you welcome one such child not only do you welcome in my name not only do you welcome me but you also welcome my father he, he gets into some language of like and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me and I'm like wait a minute wait hold on <laughs> yeah. don't i don't i also welcome you it's in in addition to it's an in addition to kind of statement although it reads uh, uh strangely but um but yeah uh, definitely this is not that's not the the image that Jesus uh, portrays or, or, or promotes. Um, he's, he's not that he's not, he's not the King. He's not, he, he's not right. the, the Isra- King of Israelites, uh, Israel uh, uh, kingdoms past. It's, it's, that's just not, that's not what he is. And that's not what he's going to become. Right. Right. And uh, so it's, it's still, there's still, uh, we still, we still do, uh, uh, um, flirt with that idea, even despite all the gospel evidence to the contrary, of of uh, you know this this Christ the King mentality sometimes right. does morph into very much a, an image contrary to um, what at least is documented, <laughs> unless all the documentation is incorrect. Um, but I don't know. There's there's four of them, so they they all kind of paint the same picture of like, over that's... and over and over. <laughs> and it is very consistent with the Hebrew scriptures as well about yeah. what leadership is about, and that yeah, it, it's crucial to keep that in mind. One thing I just want to add before we sign off, sure, is the phrase that Mark uses: um, "The Son of Man has to be betrayed into human hands." Mm-hmm. In that's a very interesting way of putting it that you might, you know, it's easy to just say, Oh, that was being poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it actually is a, a good point. Um, that people crucified Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was not God. It was not super powers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't wasn't deadly heroes or demons or anything. It was people. Yeah, and all the the Matthew, Mark, and Luke all use the same exact wording, and so it shows how powerful a human being is. And again, we can never give up that authority and responsibility that we carry as humans. That we literally can kill the Son of God. Hmm. Um. So it's not, again, it's not that the devil did it. It's that we did it. And could do it yeah. again if, if we're not really careful. Yeah. Uh, um, one would think, uh, we're not great at learning lessons. So no. one would think that it's not so much that we could is like, yeah, we, we probably would. <laughs> <laughs> we probably would make the same mistake again. Very, yeah, very possibly. Um, and and that's why we read the scriptures over and over and over. Yeah, isn't that isn't that the uh, uh, definition of futility? <laughs> it's futile. You know, like if you keep making the same mistake <laughs> over and over again. But it is. I mean, it, when when you're striving for uh, uh, what we strive for, um, it it's mistakes will always just always be made. It's it's not. It's a. Uh, um, I don't yeah, want to if, promote the idea that it's an exercise in futility. Well, um, 
to go back to James, if you're living as a self-centered person, you're not capable of learning from the mistakes of others. Mm, you don't see good. beyond yourself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, let's, with that, call it uh, to a close. This your podcast for September 19th, 2021, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, and uh, proper 20. Uh, we're, we're closing in on the last third of the season after Pentecost. Oh, we're, yeah. almost, uh, we're, we're, we're getting... We're getting real close. Uh, we invite everybody to uh, join us uh, this uh, coming Sunday, uh, 8 and 10 o'clock in person on Sunday with a 9 o'clock uh, education hour in between the two. Uh, for the 10 all service. ages. For all ages, yes. Uh, we all need education. Um, uh, a formation, I believe, is the, the Yeah, the, I like the that term. That yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, educate yourself uh um but uh <laughs> um uh the 10 o'clock service will be broadcast live on our youtube channel hfec videos on youtube uh there's links to the uh, on the website as to where to find all that information including the bulletin uh for and what Sunday. is that website uh it is holyfamilyfishers.org that's right which I got correct. <laughs> <laughs> and a special treat at worship this week is the Reverend Kathy Gray is giving yeah. the sermon at eight and 10. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Looking forward to hearing Kathy and uh, anything else you want to plug before we go. Uh, do check out the website. We have so many activities going on both within the parish and reaching out into the community. I could take another hour describing them all. So I'll just, Leave it at that. Very, very good. All right. Well, uh, we look forward to worshiping with you this coming week. Uh, any way that works uh, with you and your schedule. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.